You're listening to the Misty Creek Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Misty Creek Community Church, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. Today's message is from Senior Pastor Stephen Street. Wake up! Get ready! It's time, folks. It's time to be on time. But do you know somebody that's always late? Can I get a witness in here? Can I get an amen? Is there somebody, are you that person that's always late? Is there anybody in here that's usually late? No, you're either always late, you're on time, or you're really early. Which one are you? Very rarely are you all three. Some folks are surprised when you show up on time. Some folks are surprised if you show up late. Something must have happened. You must have got stuck on I-85 if you're late. People get annoyed by late people. But let me tell you something. There is a recent scientific study that says that people who are late are likely to live longer and be more successful. (laughs) The late people are like, yeah, I knew I was doing something right. You know? I think what that means is, is that late people are less stressed. Because when you're late and you show up late, you say, I'm sorry. Which really means you say, I don't care. I really don't. That's why you're late. Do you ever feel like you spend your life waiting on other people to get ready? I mean, school just started, so we we can relate to that. Church, you know what I'm talking about? If you've got young people in the house, maybe a spouse, you spend Sunday waiting on them to get ready, and you barely make it in time. Or are you on the other side of this equation? Maybe you're the one who can never be on time and other people are constantly nagging you, hurry up, let's go. So with the start of school, parents often feel like their life is one long cycle of hurry up and wait. There was a dad named Rodney who posted the following thoughts on Twitter recently. He says, what I say, be ready, we're leaving in five minutes. What the child hears Get undressed, start finger painting, lose at least one shoe. Now, kids can be forgiven for not understanding the concept of get ready. But it's a lot harder to laugh it off when that happens to adults. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So in today's lesson from Luke's gospel, Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples to carry on his work after his death. He's been trying to warn them about this for a while now, but they just don't understand. You know, they're still in that mode of being disciples. They don't get it. They don't understand. It's kind of like Rodney's tweet about what I say versus what they hear. This whole chapter 12 of Luke could be titled, Wake Up! Get Ready! And we need to play Pay close attention to it because it's a message that's not just relevant for us today. It was also a message that was very relevant to the disciples 2,000 years ago. A few weeks ago, from home when I had COVID, I preached the virtual sermon. And I preached and I talked about having foolish perspective on our lives. What does that mean, having a foolish perspective on our lives? We said that based on what the Bible says about foolishness, we could define a fool as someone who lives only for themselves and only for the moment. In these verses, 
Jesus is trying to remove our greed and worry by focusing our minds on the future that God has planned for us. In fact, the central message of Luke 12 can be summed up in our very first verse of this passage in verse 32. And I challenge every one of you to commit this verse to memory this week because if we really believed this verse, listen to this, if we really believed this verse, it could change how we live our lives forever. It would change how we view the future. One little verse now. It would change our priorities. It would fuel our courage. But before we read verse 32, let's put it into context, okay? Jesus' ministry has become so popular that he's got this crowd. He and his disciples are being followed by a crowd of a, a thousand people. The scriptures say many thousands of people. The crowds are so rowdy that they're trampling each other. This would be a perfect moment for Jesus to perform a few miracles like a, or a, a fire-breathing sermon. Anything to wow the crowd. But Jesus knows two things that his disciples don't know. First is that popularity is not a measure of success in God's eyes. Obedience is. Look at that just for a, a bit. Popularity is not a measure of success in God's eyes. Obedience is. And the second thing, he is on his way to Jerusalem and to his death on the cross. So he's on his way to his death, folks. So instead of impressing the crowd, Jesus addresses his disciples. Our lesson begins with the words in verse 32. I think we have them up here for you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's your memory verse. Got it? Here it is again. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus knows after his arrest and execution, his disciples will become religious outcasts. And they will become enemies of the state their lives will be in constant danger, and they will spend the rest of their lives facing persecution, beatings, imprisonment, and martyrdom as they spread Jesus' message to the end of the earth, as they teach about the way. If they're going to persevere through all of this, they need to see the future through Jesus' eyes. Imagine that one day you could see your future through Jesus' eyes. What would be different about it? What questions would it answer? Really, if you could see your future through the eyes of Jesus. One thing we know for sure, if we could see our future through Jesus' eyes, we would refuse to live in fear. That's right. We would refuse to live in fear, imagining a future without God. But how many people are walking around in fear, imagining a future without God, not even realizing that God, God could ease all of their fears instantly through obedience to his son, Jesus Christ. I read a funny story about a computer glitch that affected a sports betting site in Australia. Some customers on a website named Isabet discovered that the site inadvertently was allowing fans to place 
bets on past horse races. What happens if you place a bet on a horse race that's already been won? You win a lot of money. You do. Instead of alerting Isabet of this glitch, these fans placed their bets and won some money. Most of the customers placed small bets to just test the system. Only one man placed a huge, huge bet, big enough to trigger an investigation by the website's owners. What a temptation. He couldn't lose. He already knew the outcome of the races, so he had no fear of risking his money. Jesus is telling his disciples here, I already know the end of the story. I know the outcome of the race. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. If you read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you would see that almost every encounter with God, an angel of God or Jesus, begins with the variation or a variation of do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's as common as you or I beginning an encounter with the word, hi, hi, hi. It seems to be God's favorite greeting, doesn't it? Don't be afraid or do not fear. Do not fear is mentioned in the Bible 366 times. The disciples need to stand firm in the unshakable truth that God is their father and that they are heirs to all the riches of God's kingdom. They don't need to fear. They don't need to fear. The riches of peace are with them. The riches of God, eternal life. The fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Their treasure will never run out. It will never fail. That's the treasure that he's talking about. It will never run out. It will never fail. And it's our treasure too. If you really believe this verse, it would change your life. So that's the first thing Jesus is teaching us in this passage. If we could see our future through his eyes, we would refuse to live in fear. Since Jesus, Christians have discovered that there's no need to fear when one is in the presence of God. To walk with God not only relieves our fears and sends them away, but also increases our courage. Now, that doesn't mean we'll be spared discouragement, disease, grief, or death itself. It does mean that we will never be alone. It means that we will be given strength to meet the demand of our daily lives. It means that we will know the joy and hope of living in the presence of God in every single circumstance of life because he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. We are never alone. He is with us, folks. He promised that he would never leave us. The second thing that Jesus is teaching us in this passage is to let go of the things that control us. Are you being controlled by something or someone right now other than God? He says this, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What's in your heart, really in your heart, eventually will come out through your mouth and through your actions. 
Yes. I believe Jesus meant these words literally and figuratively. God cares passionately about the poor and needy. You can't read through the Bible and miss this truth. So giving what you have to provide for the needy is a biblical mandate. But Jesus also came to set us free from the burdens and fears of this world. Once we've been set free, then we can focus our energies on creating God's kingdom on this earth. Listen to these words, people. Your Father has already given you the kingdom. You have a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Why is your heart still tied to this world? Now, the Holy Spirit that has captivated my heart this morning would preach it like this. Your Father has already given you this kingdom, His kingdom. You have this treasure in heaven that will never fail. Why is your heart still tied to this world? Why do you lean more to the world than you do into me? What does the world have to offer you? Nothing. What does Jesus have to offer you? Everything. Eternal life. Peace, love, joy. We just went through all those from Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, happiness, faithfulness, gentleness. Happiness is not one, by the way. (laughs) Self-control. Happiness is a world concept. Joy, the joy of the Lord is my what? Is my strength. And if you have Jesus, you have the joy of the Lord. That's what it means. You have his presence. You have his peace. And he affirms that by being always with you. Our ties to this world distract us from living as followers of Jesus. We get so tied up to status and comfort and achievement. We find our identity in our jobs. Man, that stinks, Stephen. I don't want to find my identity in that, but many do. We find our identity in our jobs. We find our self-worth in our paycheck or our possessions. We spend our lives building up and protecting our own little comfortable, safe existence. And we completely miss the calling to follow Jesus as citizens of a heavenly kingdom. We are citizens now for those of us who believe of a heavenly kingdom. His kingdom has come down. It's present through him, through you, through the Holy Spirit. And you live as though you're a dead man walking or a dead woman walking. You are alive. You are made alive in Christ. He's come to give you a life that's abundant, not a mediocre life. Yeah, Satan will come kill, steal, and destroy. But who is he? Because Jesus has defeated him. You only give him power when you let him have control. He's much more powerful. Jesus is much more powerful than that. And you have that power. Who is the greater fool? The one who focuses his life on collecting and protecting stuff that will never wear out, fail, and get eaten by moss? Or the one who spends his life, listen to this, the one who spends his life sharing with Christ the work of creating the kingdom of God on earth? Man, I want to spend my life sharing with the work of creating the kingdom of God on earth. That's who I'm called to be. That's who I am. And how do we create the kingdom of God on earth? The last part of this passage tells us. Here it is. Be dressed. 
ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet. So that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose masters find them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. He will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. The final thing that Jesus is teaching us in this passage is that our service to others makes us ready to serve him when he comes again. So rather than spending so much time on worrying about when he's coming, you just be prepared and you be serving. There's a lady that walked up to Nancy McCord right outside in the parking lot. This just happened like 40 minutes ago. And Nancy's telling her about the church. She's curious about the church. And, the, and she invites the lady. And I don't think the lady came, but the lady gave Nancy $40. That's a reversal of roles, isn't it? Usually we have people walking up to us asking for something but gave her $40 cash. She came in and she said, show me the story. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. That woman, remember Field of Dreams? When they came out of that cornfield and they stepped on that field, what happened? Chulis Joe Jackson came alive again. Ty Cobb, all those players. It's like when you drive up onto this campus and you step on this campus, even if it's on the sidewalk, God captures your heart. I imagine every day people running and walking by this church and they feel it and they sense it. They don't necessarily understand it. They don't, they don't really know what to do, but they know there's something sacred and holy and special about this place. So Mike Nimitz said, man, this place is full today. It is. Over 114 people are here today. And there's probably 100 more watching today. And we didn't even count how many are under the tent and over at Creek House today. They're coming, folks. You know? You remember... Kevin Cosner saying, build it and they will come. He kept hearing the voice, the James Earl Jones voice. Don't we love that voice? Build it and they will come. Well, we haven't even started the renovations yet. And they're coming because God is renovating our hearts and our lives. What he's doing here, folks, restoration and deliverance and wholeness. And you're hearing teaching from the very word of God. You're learning that the Holy Spirit is not some mystical presence that the Holy Spirit is a person and is real. You're learning things you haven't learned before. And it's opening up your heart. And now you're beginning to see, as I ask you the question, you're beginning to see your present and your future through the eyes of Christ. When you serve the people around you with love and humility, you are serving Jesus. You're living out the purpose for which God made you. You will find yourself your highest identity and your purpose and joy and caring for others just as Jesus cared for them. Many years ago, Mother Teresa met with Dr. Robert Schuller, the pastor then of the Crystal Cathedral in California. I used to watch him. Maybe many of you did too. Dr. Schuller was in all of Mother Teresa's ministry to the poor in Calcutta. She had devoted her life to serving the neediest, most destitute people in Calcutta and has been instrumental in starting similar ministries around the world. Dr. Schuler asked Mother Teresa for some words of wisdom for his ministry. He was so moved by what she said that he had her words engraved into a plaque which he hung on his office wall. Mother Teresa told Dr. Schuler, Be all and only for Jesus. Be all and only. 
and only for Jesus. Let him use you without consulting you first. That's what it means to be ready for service. What would have to change in your life for you to be ready for service? What fears would have to What fears would you have to overcome? What priorities would you have to change? And what could God do through you if you let God use you without consulting you first? Like you know it all. Like you're telling God what to do and calling on Him to do this and to do that. Hmm. So remember His words that are true for us today as they were for His disciples over 2,000 years ago. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's given it to you. You have it. It's a kingdom that's not of this world. How does it make you feel to know that you have a power, you have a kingdom within you that's not of this world, and that no one nor nothing nor this world can affect you or influence you because you have a greater power than that? You're influenced by the Word of God and nothing else takes precedence over what God has given you. It was with a price that we have this book, folks. And the words that are in this book. It's not just something you just throw on the shelf. And as I said last week, I know we love our Bible apps. I love mine. But there's something about having the Word of God in your hand and hearing those pages. Many of the men have seen my Wesleyan study Bible. It's a huge Bible. It's tattered. It's, it's highlighted. The pages are ripped and things like that because I use it. What's your Bible like? You take it off the shelf, do you have to do this before you look at it? Maybe it's time. I don't think maybe it is time to get into his word again so that he can teach you that your fear doesn't stand a chance when you stand in his love, where you can learn that he has the keys of, king, of the kingdom ready to give them to you and unlock the mysteries that are really not mysteries. It's what he wants you to know. But the Holy Spirit tells us, as we receive that Holy Spirit, He gives us the mind and the attitude and thoughts of Christ. And that's the kingdom He's talking about. He says one more time, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Remember Jesus was teaching, He says, The kingdom of God is at hand. Some translations say the kingdom of God is here. Wherever Jesus was, the kingdom was there. Can I remind you of something? One last thing. I want to remind you of this. That the moment you received Jesus as your Savior, He gave you the keys to His kingdom. He gave you connection to eternal life. A life that will never end. Where there will be no more sorrow, no more tears, no more grief, no more pain killing. Don't you want that? Don't you need it? It's his gift to you. It's exactly why I say, hide me behind the shadow of the cross, because what happened on that cross allowed you to be where you are right now, to be watching right now. He deserves all the glory. Your fear doesn't stand a chance when you're standing in his love. Let's pray right now. Almighty, holy, amazing, magnificent, Glorious God, we thank you 
that you have given us the kingdom, that it's your pleasure to give it to us. Through receiving Jesus as our Savior, we have intimate connection with you. Lord, we ask you right now, if there's anyone here, anyone watching, anyone outside, anyone walking by right now that doesn't know you, Lord, that you would convict them, that you would captivate their hearts and their minds, their bodies and their spirits, that they would know that you care for them, that you love them, that you laid down your life for them through your son, Jesus Christ. If there's anybody here right now that doesn't know Jesus, maybe you think you do, you know about him, but you really don't have that relationship he desires for you to have, I want you to pray this prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. I pray it every day. I pray it every day because it's a reminder that my flesh is weak and weary. But the strength of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, is my strength and the power that I need to make it through this life. Not just make it, but strive. To strive to be the very best I can be for Christ. So pray this prayer. You can pray it silently. Open up your heart and receive Jesus. Jesus, I love you. I need you. And I know you love me. You loved me even before I was born. When your father breathed breath into my lungs and gave me life at the moment of conception. You created me in your image. I cannot do this life without you. I've tried and I fail every time. Lord, I pray today that you would enter into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, this very moment, this very day on September, August the 14th, 2022. And radically transform my heart, my mind, and my spirit. Forgive me of my sins. Help me be more like you and less like myself. I receive you, Jesus. Receive me into your arms. Hold me, Lord Jesus. I need you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your precious name I pray and all God's children said. Amen. We hope you were inspired by today's message. For more sermons from Misty Creek Community Church, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you like to stream your podcasts. You can also watch videos of our sermons and complete services on the Misty Creek Community Church YouTube channel. And while you're there, be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. For more information about our church, including our mission, location, service times, and more, visit our website at mistycreekchurch.org. God bless you, and thank you for listening.